Amen. Well, we are in First uh, Peter, and uh, we are going to begin uh, uh, in verse uh, 13 of First Peter. But I do want to share this with you. As we've been talking, we've been sharing about our salvation. You know, Peter has been reminding us about our salvation and the heavenly inheritance that comes because of our faith in Him. And today, Peter's going to remind us that one day we are soon going to be appearing before the Lord. We know that the Lord is coming back soon. And this is what needs to be on the forefront of our mind. And if Jesus Christ is coming back soon, how are you living? How are we living our lives? If we know that He's coming back soon, are we living with this expectancy? This means that our lives must be different. It should be different. When you surrender your, yourself to the Lord, your life should be different. You should not be living the same way you used to live. And Paul, I mean, Peter is going to explain this to us today. You know, I'm always reminded of the bride. The bride that is waiting and saving herself for the groom. The groom that's going to take her. And as she waits, we know that she has changed her priorities in expectancy for what will be taking place. As we talk about this, you know, especially have view of what's going on in the world around us. We know that the Lord is coming back soon. And we know as we see the signs, the signs that he has given us, even in this nation, it points to the fact that the Lord will be coming back soon. And with that, I want to begin to read from verses 15, and we're going to go up to uh, verse 21, and then we're going to expound on the verses. In verse 13, it says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance, but as he who has called you, is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. You know, as we read these verses, you know, we know that the Lord is going to be coming back soon. And Peter is going to give us seven exhortations for each one of us. He's going to give us seven exhortations to live in a certain manner. And we're going to go through each one and we're going to expound in each one. So there are seven for us today as we walk out of this place. And it is God's desire that we would walk in this manner. And I'm going to read to you the first one. Let's read in verse 13. It says, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In this verse, he gives us three clear exhortations. And this is encouraging us to move us in God's perfect plan and God's perfect will in our lives. 
And the first, as he says there, is to gird up the loins of your mind. The first that he is talking about, we can shorten it in this manner, and we can say, focus. This is the first exhortation that the Lord wants to give us to you, which is focus. Okay, we are to focus. He says to gird up the loins of your mind. You know, when we think of the word loins, what comes to mind when we think of this word? A lot of times as I was reading this, you know what came to my mind? Was meat, right? When we think about meat, beef loin, top sirloin, right? Or we think of pork loins. Or we think of rib loins, right? We have all these loins, right? We have meat, you know, this is meat that, that we're thinking about, right? Peter isn't saying to grab the meat of your brains. He's not talking about that. You know, what Peter is talking about, what he's writing about, is for us to focus on the Lord. If we know that He's coming back soon, this should be on the forefront of your minds. The fact that you're going to appear before the Lord should always be on your mind. The reason why Peter would use this expression, and this expression is not for us today because I don't see many men today wearing robes, right? I think many of us now just wear pants. And that's good that we wear pants. But at this time, they wore robes. And they, when they wore a robe, what they would do is in order to do things right, or if they had to move, or if they were called to action, you know what they would do is they grab the bottom of the robe, and either they tuck it into their belt, or they tie it around their waist. And why would they do that? So that they can move. They were called to do something, called to action. And this is what Peter is telling us to do, to begin to think and focus on the Lord. He's going to appear soon. You're going to appear before the Lord very soon. And if you're heavenly minded, then you're going to live out the things that the Lord is asking us to do. I want to share this with you. If you're not thinking about the Lord or you're not thinking about His return, then guess what you're going to be thinking about? You're going to be thinking about other things, right? Things that aren't eternal, things that, aren't, that have nothing to do with your faith. We know that there are so many things in life today that we are faced with. You know what? Our minds are just... You know what? Our minds are just so... I mean, there are so many things that are thrown at us today. We live busy lives. And I think what we forget to do is to live out what God has called us to do. What's most important, which is what is eternal. I'll give you some examples here. You know what? If your mind isn't focused on the Lord, and your mind is focused maybe on a new house or a new car... Right? Or, or new clothes. You know what? You're going to be constantly thinking about these things, right? See, and this is what the Lord is asking us right now. You know what? Stop thinking about these things so much. Focus your mind on the Lord. We know that we waste our mind and our time focusing on wasteful things. Spending hours and hours on things that have no significance. How many of you have done this? You spend hours and hours on things that have no significance for us. You know what? I catch myself doing that too. I say, you know what? As I see myself spending too much time on things that don't matter. You know what I begin to do? I, I, I catch myself and I say, you know what? Stop thinking about these things. These things aren't eternal. God is asking us today, reminding us to put our thoughts and our focus on His appearing. 
one thing that we do know is your thoughts and your attitudes always determine your action. Understand that. Your thoughts and your attitudes will always determine your action. Right? Whatever's going on in your mind is what you're going to want to live out to do. Whatever your attitude is, that's what you're going to want to do. What drives us as Christians? I'm talking to the church here, right? We are the church of Christ. We are the church of God. What is driving you? This is what Peter is trying to get our attention. This is what he's trying to share with us. Is it the Lord? Is this what is driving you? Is it the Lord? Is it your flesh, your appetites, your desires, your cravings? Or is it the world? Or maybe it could be the lies of Satan that you have fallen into. You know, what is it that drives us? The Lord is asking us, focus on Him. The second thing that He talks about is sober. Being sober. This is the second exhortation that He gives us. He calls us to be sober. And what does Peter mean by this? You know, we read the word sober here. When somebody is sober, sober, right? When someone's sober, you know what? They can think straight, right? A sober mind is controlled. A sober mind is calm and controlled. We know that. We know that because I think many of us, and this includes me, before I came to know the Lord, I know that I had a problem drinking. And when I would drink, guess what was controlling me? The substance, right? The alcohol would control me. It's the same thing with drugs, right? You know what? If we have a problem in doing these things or taking these things, we're no longer controlled by God. You are now controlled by this substance. And we know, we've seen people in drunken states, and how ridiculous do they look? You know what? They're foolish. They look foolish, and they are foolish because of what the alcohol or the drug has done to them as it's taken control. We become victims of its effects. And because we become victims of this substance, what happens is, is that we lose it. We lose control of our behavior. The Word of God tells us, the Word of God tells you and me that we are to be filled by the Spirit. We are not to be controlled by drunkenness or by any other substance. You and I should only be controlled by the Spirit of God. And this is why God has given us the Spirit of God, so that you and I can yield to the Spirit of God. God's desire is that none of us would yield to the appetites of our flesh, or to what the world promotes, or to what the devil and his minions are asking us to do. You know, we did that before. Before we came to Christ, we were doing that. And we know that if we are sober and controlled by our love for God and by His Spirit then we will be walking in God's will. Remember, the focus is that God is coming soon. And this is God's desire for us. God's desire for us is that we would be walking in His will. And believe me, there are many today and that will teach this. And God doesn't want us to be fooled when it comes to this. Many of us, many say, well, you know what? God, He's not coming back. He's not going to come back for his church. This is just a saying. This is just, you know what, crazy people that believe in this. 
you know what? God is going to be coming soon. And one thing that we know is that you and I will be in his presence one day. You and I will face him. Even though some people don't believe this. Right? We know that. We know that some people don't believe in this. You know what? But one day they will bow before the Lord. And their tongue will confess that he is Lord. And many people say, but you know what? I'm going to live this way. I'm going to live the way I'm living as a Christian, you know, still, you know, double-minded, you know, living like the world and still living like Christianity. And, and then that one day, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to completely surrender myself to the Lord. I'm going to be, you know what, 100% committed to the Lord. Did you know that there's Christians that think this way? Churches are filled with Christians that are thinking this way. Thinking, you know what, I'm going to live this way and... You know what? And, and God, you know what? One day I'll just completely surrender to Him. You're being deceived. You've been deceived by a lie of Satan. These are the lies of Satan that he tells you, you know what? Just live the way you want to live. You know what? We know that the Lord, as we face Him, we know that, you know what? None of us are promised tomorrow. And we may face Him tomorrow. We don't know. Some of us may die tomorrow. Some of us may die a week from now. Without the opportunity to, you know what, to live out that which we wanted to do, which was to have a completely surrendered life to Him. You know what, I pray that none of us would ever face the Lord. And the Lord will, ta- will say to us, you know, why do you call me Lord? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? This isn't God's desire for us. You know, for me... I've been recently, I mean, I've been having these thoughts of the rapture. And you know what? And I know that sometimes we kid around, but you know what? Sometimes I'm looking for for my family, and I don't seem to find them. And the first thing that pops to my mind is, are they gone? Are they raptured? And I'm not kidding you. I mean, this will come to my mind. And, And I think to myself, was I left behind? I mean, and why is this in my mind? Because I love the Lord, right? I have Him as a focus on my mind. I want to think on the things of God. I want to be consumed with the things of God. And especially when it comes to the rapture, what do, what do we want to be doing? We want to be serving Him. Wouldn't it be awesome if the rapture took place right now while we were here in church? This would be amazing, wouldn't it? The fact that all of us would be caught up to heaven... And all of a sudden we would have our bodies transformed into these glorified bodies just like the Lord had. And we would live forever and ever with Him. Some of you may be thinking, you know what? Oh, I'm not ready for that. You know what? I still got to go home and I got to do this. Or you know what? I got to do that. You know what? Do you remember how people came to Jesus and they told them the same thing? You know what? I got to go take care of the business at home. And He says, you're not worthy of me. If that's what you're thinking about. See, our minds should be heavenly minded. This is what Paul and um, Peter is reminding us about today. The next thing that we have, as he says there, the third exhortation that we have is to rest your hope on him. This is what he tells us. Resting your hope on something or someone gives you the motivation to keep going. If you don't have hope, what are you going to do? We're going to give up. This is just the way things are. You know, when it comes to people without hope, no one thing. They always quit. 
We see this in the lives of people that give up their lives because they have no more hope, marriages, jobs, families, whatever it may be. People that have no hope, they quit. They give up. But if you have hope in the Lord, you're not going to give up your Christian walk. This is what it's about. Our hope has to remain strong in Him. And this is what Peter's, uh, Peter is sharing with us. There are three enemies. I want to share these enemies. And I know I've been mentioning them. But there are three enemies that want you to give up your hope in Christ. And the first enemy that we have that I want to talk about is the world, right? The world wants you to give up your hope in Him. Then you know what they say? You know what? Don't follow Christ. And if you follow Christ, I'm going to make it hard on you. This is what we see in the world today, right? You know what we see in the world today that is, you know what, that is calling our beliefs, our love for God to be hate. Do you know that? Do you know that your love for God is now being called hate for others? To believe and to love what His Word says? They're saying that this is hate. Can you believe that? You know, it is amazing what is happening in our world today. As Isaiah said, right? Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Woe to them. They have something coming. And this is what's happening today. You know what? Our values and our beliefs are called hateful. But the Lord told us that this would happen, didn't He? He told us in His Word that the world is going to hate you. Why is the world going to hate you? Because they hated Him first. But the Lord didn't stop there. I love what He finishes as He keeps going on. He says, but be a good cheer, for I have overcome the world. This is a good cheer that we have. And this is what we rest in. The fact that we have Him. You know what? They're going to persecute us. They're going to attack us. But we are not to give up. We are to continue to keep our hope, our living hope in Him. You know, we know that the second enemy that we have is our flesh. Our flesh is telling you, you know what? Stop being a Christian. Stop being a goody two-shoes. Our flesh is telling us, you know what? Satisfy my cravings. You know what? I want you to satisfy me. I want you to, to feed me and do the things that I want to do. The fact that your flesh hates that fact that you became a Christian. The flesh hates the fact that you surrendered yourself to Jesus Christ. The flesh hates that. Because before it controlled you, your flesh was controlling everything about you. And now it's lost control of you. As we know that it is the Spirit of God that desires to control us as we yield to the Spirit of God. And then, we know that we have a third enemy. And we all know this enemy very well. And he doesn't have horns and a red coloring and a long tail. He doesn't have any of that. He's a beautiful creation of God that allowed sin to take his heart. And so, as we know this devil, he wants you to give up your hope in him, in the Lord. You know, he lost you. And what he wants to do is he's going to lie to you, tempt you, accuse you, make you feel condemned, so that you give up on the Lord. He's constantly badgering you so that you can give up on the Lord. And we are not to listen to him because he's a liar. 
and he's a father of lies. As we keep reading in verse 14, it says, As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance. You know what? As we read this verse, the first point, the fourth point that the Lord wants to give to us today, the fourth exhortation that he wants to give us is to be obedient. This is the fourth point. Okay, the fourth exhortation. We know that, that uh, before we came to know the Lord, you know, we weren't yielded to God. I want you to know that. None of us here were yielded to God. Some of, us, some of you may be saying, you know what, but I did good things. Or I was doing this. Or maybe, you know what, I, I always went to church. Well, before you surrendered yourself to the Lord, guess what? You weren't yielded to Him. You were still yielded to your flesh. You were still yielded to the demands of the world. You were still yielded to the lives of Satan. Because the Lord tells us in His Word, you're either for me or against me. There's no in-between. And one thing that we know, and let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 1. He talks about this. In verse 1 of chapter 2 in the book of Ephesians, this is our state before Christ. Well, it begins by stating our state in Christ, but, and then he goes on to talk about our state before Christ. It says in verse 1, it says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. So in other words, you have been made alive by God. Because before that, you were dead in trespasses and sins. And this is who you were yielded to. It says, these were your masters, okay? In which you once walked according to the course of this world. That's what we talked about, right? You were following the demands of the world. This is who you were yielded to. According to the prince of the power of the air. Who is the prince of the power of the air? He's talking about the devil here. You know what? You were doing the things that the devil wanted you to do. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. This is, where you were, this is who you were yielded to also. And then verse 3 talks about, Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and by nature were children of wrath, just as the others. So we see here that the third person or the third thing that we were yielded to was our flesh. So we see here, we see the world, we see Satan, and we see our flesh. This is what we did before or who we yielded to before we came to know the Lord. And Peter, Peter is reminding us not to forget the call of God, to obey the Lord because he's what? Your new master, right? This is who you surrendered yourself to. This is your master. And as we think about this, right? If he is your master, then this is who you need to yield to. How many of you, when you said yes to Christ, for those of you that have surrendered their hearts to Jesus Christ in this place, when you raised your hand and you yielded yourself and said, he is my Lord, did you know that you became now his slave? As you called yourself, as you called him Lord, he now became the master of your life. How many of you are yielding to this master? How many of you are saying, you know what? I will do as you say. Not as I want. Not as the world wants. Not as the devil wants. But as you want. 
You know, this is a hard thing for all of us, isn't it? We struggle throughout our lives with, these, with who we yield to. But we know that we are getting better and better. And this is called the sanctification process. The fact that you're going to become more like Christ. And so we rejoice in the fact that the work that God started in us, He will one day complete. And as we think about this, Peter is reminding us, you know what? Focus. I mean, not focus on Him, but, but you know what? Be obedient, children. You know, not conforming yourself to the former lust. As in your ignorance. You know what? This is important for us to talk about here. When we talk about ignorance. Did you know that before Christ, you lived in ignorance? Every single one of us were ignorant to the truth of God. And did you know that error and lies lead to bondage? I want you to understand one thing. We were ignorant. And in ignorance, we were believing the lies. And we were believing things that weren't true. And as we were doing these things, and guess what happened to us? We fell, we, we fell into bondage, right? We were, fell into shackles. We were chained to sin because we believed the lies. But one thing about Jesus Christ is, you know what he says? Is that he will give you the truth and the truth will set you free. How many of us as Christians, are learning every day the truth of God and saying, wow, I didn't know that. And as you hear the truth, you stop behaving like you used to behave. This happens to us as Christians. And this is why the Lord says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. And this is what we rejoice in. And this is what Peter is reminding us about. The fact that His Word will transform you. As you hear the truth of God. The fact that His Spirit will transform you as you listen to the truths that He's teaching you. And the fact that you will yield to His power will the transformation in you begin to take place. When we look at Romans, turn to Romans. You know, as we look at Romans that is filled with such awesome doctrine from Paul. When it comes to us and our faith. You know... One thing that we need to realize, one thing that we come to grips with is the fact that we have an old nature and we have a new nature. Our old nature is the one that was before Christ. This is the man that was dead. And then we have a new nature that has been what? Given life in, in and through Jesus Christ. And let's read about this in verse 1 of chapter 6. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who die to sin any longer? How shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of you as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should, live, should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Did you know that this is a very key point 
in being freed from the bondage of the old man. You need to acknowledge that the old man before Christ, you need to believe this by faith, was crucified with Christ on the cross. This begins your transformation as you yield to the Lord, as you yield to His Spirit. If you don't believe that that old man was crucified, then that old man will live. And this is what the Bible is telling us, that that old man was crucified with Christ on the cross. He died. He no longer lives. He no longer has power over you. And if He no longer lives and has power over you, then why do we yield to Him? Because we make the choice to do it. The choice is, are we going to yield to the Spirit of God or are you going to yield to the old man? And the old man that lives is the one that you feed. Are you feeding him with the garbage of this world? Are you feeding him with sin? Are you feeding him with the lies of the devil? You know, we can feed the one that we want to live. And God says, feed the Spirit. Read your word. Pray. Come to church. Hang out with believers. Stop hanging out with the world. Yes, we're in the world, but we're not a part of it. Our home is in heaven. And the Lord is saying, you know what? The more you hang out with them, the more you're going to be like them. It's important that we understand that we need to feed the Spirit. And the Spirit is fed by the things that I just shared with you. God loves us and God knows what's best for us. But as we go back, as we got to keep moving on. It says there in verse 15, it says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. The fifth exhortation is that, to be holy. This is what Peter is telling us today. Be holy. You know what? When we looked at obedient, you know what? The last exhortation was to obey. This one is different. This one is saying, you know what? To be holy. This is what he's asking us to do. You know, when it comes to this holiness, Peter is reminding us to be holy in conduct. See, there's a difference between obeying and being holy in conduct. Your conduct speaks of who you are. I want you to know that. So the way you are, the way you behave, is who you're pointing to, who you're surrendered to. See, many of you, I don't know your conduct outside of church. Many of you, I see your Sunday best. You know, we know that, right? You got your nice clothes on for church on Sunday. But during the week and while you're at home, I don't know how you are. But God knows how you are. And what the Lord wants us to do is to be holy also in our homes. He wants us to be holy at the workplace. He wants us to be holy wherever we are. See, when it comes to the Lord, He wants us to be transparent. Do you know what transparent means? Where, you know what? Where you're, you're the same. You're an open book to everybody. Are you transparent? Do people know you the same uh, the same person that they know at church is the same person at home? Is that how transparent you are or are you different? You know, it's God's desire that, you know, we would be transparent. And that our conduct will always identify us as children of God. Our talk must always be backed up with our walk. And if we know that the Lord is coming soon and if we know that he, His appearance is coming, 
then we want to make sure that we walk in holiness. And this is what Peter is telling us. To live holy lives. To live lives set apart for His purpose and for His will. And then the sixth exhortation. Let's read it in verse 17. It says, And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. The sixth exhortation is to fear the Lord. This is the sixth exhortation that Peter has for us, to fear the Lord. When we think about this, right? What is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom? It is the fear of the Lord. See, many Christians today have lost this fear of the Lord. This is why we're, they're living in sin. You know what? They have no fear of God. They have no fear of the Lord. This is why they're able to walk in sin and they always have excuses to walk in this sin. Oh, you know what? It's for this reason. Or you know what? It's because of this. You know what? If they truly feared the Lord, then they wouldn't be walking that way. Then you know what? They would be just like Joseph who was tempted and he ran from sin, right? He says, how can I commit such wickedness and sin against my God? This is what God wants from us, to have a fear of Him. You know, did you know that our God is, is greater than anyone else in this world? He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Did you know that? That you know what, some of us, you know what, some of us fear our parents, right? And, and you know what, and I'll use these illustrations. There's some of us that are going to fear our parents, right? Because we don't want to get in trouble or we don't want to disappoint them. We also look at jobs, right? Some of us fear our managers at our jobs. And why is this? Because you know what? We don't want to get fired, right? And we want to perform well. And we know that some of us fear also authority that's out there, right? Police or someone. Because we know if we do something wrong, we're going to get thrown in jail. And this happens. But you know what? When you think about this sense of fear, it moves you to behave what? Appropriately, right? It moves you to behave in an appropriate manner. And this is the type of fear that the Lord wants us to have for Him. To move us to obey Him. You know what? If we're going to appear before Him one day, He's going to judge us. Did you know that everything you did in the name of the Lord, as you became Christians, I want you to know that as you became Christians, everything you did in the Lord's name now, He's going to judge it? Did you know that? Were you aware that you will be sitting on the judgment seat, the Bema seat, and every work that you did in the name of Christ when you became a Christian, He's going to judge every part of it. Can you believe that? And you know what? And guess who's going to be around us when He's judging that? When He's judging our works? All of you, the whole church. Everybody's going to know the motives of our hearts. And are you going to be able to say, you know what, are you going to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, or are you going to be hearing other words that you're going to put your head down and say, oh man, I knew it. I shouldn't have done that. It's been found out all of you guys are looking at it now. You heard it, you know it. You know, one thing that we know is that we are all going to be before the judgment seat. You look at the Olympics today. You know what, what's so awesome about the Olympics is that Peter, Peter, is that people are competing 
with the very best talents that God has given them. And did you know that every single one of them, when they're competing, you know what's happening? People are judging them, aren't they? They have judges, not us, but they have judges. And you know what these judges are looking at? To make sure that they're competing according to the rules of the game. You know what was a shame? Did you guys hear about those two teams that were disqualified because they weren't playing their very best? They wanted to lose, and they got disqualified in badminton. That's a shameful, isn't it? To know that, you know what, you were stripped, you were taken out of competition. You know what? Everyone, when they compete, they know the judges are there, and they are playing also with a fear. Not that they're consciously saying, oh, I'm afraid of the judge, but they know that the judges are looking. This is the mindset God wants, us, wants for us. The mindset is, is that God is looking at you. Are you behaving appropriately? Are you walking in a manner that pleases Him? And I want to go over the last point. Let's read in verse 18 through 19. It says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. The seventh point to walk in a manner that is pleasing to the Lord, the exhortation, because he knows we're going to be appearing before the Lord, is the fact that you have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. Do you know what it means to be redeemed? It means to pay a price with a payment. Did you know that the Lord bought you with his blood? The fact that he redeemed you with his precious blood, the fact that he gave up his life to you, and this is what we're celebrating today in communion, right? The fact that he did this, you know what? It should move us to live lives that are pleasing to him. See, we weren't bought with money. You and I, he didn't buy us with silver and gold, but he bought us with the blood of God. Did you know that the blood that he bought you with was the blood of God? Can you believe that? Do you ever think about being bought by the blood of God? We think to ourselves, you know what, we were bought by the blood, but this was the blood of God himself that bought you that way. And because he bought you that way, guess what? He freed you from sin and the penalty of sin, which is death. This should move us to live differently. You know, it's a, it's, it, it should motivate us to move in a life that is pleasing to him, knowing that we're going to appear before him. And let's finish up in verses 20 and 21. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him, uh, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. You know, as we read this, right? Did you know that God knew that man would sin? It wasn't that when God created Adam and Eve that he said, Oh man, they sinned. I didn't create them to sin, but they sinned. It's a surprise to me. None of that was a surprise to the Lord. The Lord already knew that we were going to sin. And what's so amazing about this, that he already had ordained the fact that he would come and die for you. Isn't that amazing? That he, while we were still sinners... The Lord died for us. 
that he was willing to give up his life for you and for me? You know what? I think about this, right? And I think to myself, you know what? How gracious is God? How merciful is he? That when he created us, he already knew that he would suffer, that he would die for us. You know what? This is love. You know what? Creating us so that, you know what? Because of our sinful nature that we chose sin over him. That he would still say, you know what? Even though they chose sin, I still love them. Even though they surrendered to another master, that I still love them. You know, this is what is amazing to me. And this is what should motivate us to move and to live for him. You know, the fact that God rose from the, the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, knowing that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that moved you to believe in God, right? Isn't that what moved you to believe in God? The fact that, 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 that he rose from the dead? You know what? I mean, if Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead, we wouldn't believe in God, would we? But because he rose from the dead, we believe in him. And this is what Peter is saying. He's saying, through, who, through him, believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. You and I believe in God because of Jesus Christ, because of his love, because of the cross. And you know what? This is what we celebrate today. This is what you and I celebrate. This is why he told us, don't forget communion. Don't forget what I did on the cross. Remember what I did for you. And with that, we're going to close. And with this, we're just going to pray. And uh, as before we take communion, we all want to make sure that, that we are right with the Lord. And, and so we'll give everybody the opportunity here to make yourself right with him. And so with that, let's begin to pray and bow our heads and close our eyes. And let's begin to ask the Lord just to, uh, to move in us if and reveal to us anything that, that has taken us away from our first love. Lord Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you, Lord, for just how you wrote through Peter, Lord, to give us these seven exhortations to live a life worthy of the calling that you have upon us, knowing that we're going to face you one day. And if we live out these seven exhortations, Lord, we know that we will hear, well done, good and faithful servants. But we know that as we get tripped up in this world, as we get dirty in this world, as we allow sin and other things to take control of our lives, your desire is to remind us that that old man was crucified. But your word tells us that we need to come to you confessing our sin and that you will cleanse us and forgive us. And so as we are here with our heads bowed, if there's anyone here that, that wants the forgiveness of God, that wants to yield to him and surrender yourself to, to this new master, we know that it happens when you say yes to him. If there's anyone here that wants to commit your life to the Lord or even recommit your life to Him, I ask that you would raise your hand and we will pray for you. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Amen.
Amen. Anyone else? Amen. We heard it today. If there's things that have become your new master, your, your God in your life has replaced the one, the true, the living God. You know what? Confess that to him and surrender now. This is what he wants. Anyone else before we close? Raise your hand. Anyone else? Anyone else before we close? Anyone else? Amen. Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you, Lord, for all these that raised their hands, Lord. Lord, their desire is to surrender their hearts to you, Lord. Lord, as they proclaim you as their Lord and Master, Lord, we know that it is only you, Lord Jesus, that has moved them and has drawn them to this place of surrender. For those that raised their hands, I want you to repeat these words after me. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for sinning against you. I'm sorry for not making you my master. I'm sorry for yielding to my flesh, to the world, to Satan. But now I yield my heart to you. I give it to you freely and make you and proclaim you my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, empower me and gift me to do the will of my Lord. I love you and I praise you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, can I have